this is Batman, 1T. And you, like any good citizen, are listening to the Retro Cool Nerd Palcast. Quick, not one moment to lose. Turn up your dial. Meanwhile, just outside of Gotham City. Bat antenna deployed. Atomic microphones to power. Bat check. One, two. Testing. Bat computer online. And processing. Affirmative. Audio tapes to speed. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to podcast. Transmitting. Citizens of Gotham, and welcome back to the Retro Cool Nerd Podcast. A retro look at all things cool and a little nerdy, mostly through the lens of the 1966 Batman TV show. I am the Retro Cool Nerd, Jimmy the Gent, broadcasting from my secluded study located deep inside the walls of Stately Wayne Manor. Hopefully you recognize me as one of the co-hosts of the Saturday Morning Serial Podcast, so thanks for following me over here to my celebration of the original, 1966 Batman TV show that I grew up with. Here we are, the second episode of the Powcast. Thanks to all the hundreds of Bat fans that tuned in for the first episode. I am literally overwhelmed by the love and support that I have received after the first episode. Thanks for the feedback, and I will be bringing you more fun on a regular basis. Let me address some questions that Alfred has brought to my attention. Thanks for reaching out at Duck Commander. Yes, that is meant to be a commercial break. I like to break it up in the middle with a little history, some classic commercials to set the tone a little bit, and an homage to my favorite show with the stay tuned, tune in next week tags that we're all familiar with. So I like to pay homage to those. I want to say thanks to at Bespin2006, who asked a question about the Hollywood history segment. And yes, we will have Donnell back very soon. She was a delight to speak with, and I know she has a ton more stories to share with us about the vintage days of Hollywood, so we will have her back very soon for some more Hollywood history. And one more uh, shout-out to at 313-S-A-R-A-H-H-H-H-H. I'm not sure what that is, but thanks for tweeting at us, who said, great show. I can't wait to hear what's next. A nice thought. I'm glad you were listening. Hope you dig what we have in store for you today. But I am absolutely giddy with anticipation to get to this episode of the podcast, featuring a dude I'm sure you're going to fall in love with. Now, I've been a guest on a few podcasts as a Batman expert, and I know a little bit. But when I need info, or I can't remember an answer, I turn to fellows like my next guest, Scott Sebring. Scott's a world-renowned Batman Adam West impersonator. He's known for his appearance as Batman in The Adventures of Little Batman. He's known for his Bohemian Rhapsody parody, The Bat Rhapsody. He has a YouTube channel called Bat Tours and is the moderator of the 1966 Batman message board over at 66batman.com. Again, not only is Scott a Batman expert, but an expert's expert. He has known and worked with and befriended various celebrities, but I lifted the cover of the old Bat Phone today to talk about his memories of Adam West, Yvonne Craig, and his vast knowledge of the show. Scott has had a very special relationship, both in and out of the cowl, and has shared a very special moment or two with the Bright Knight. 
He has also worked for and with the evergreen Yvonne Craig. Today, Scott shares his memories with his time spent with Batgirl herself. Without any further delay, to the bat phone. Uh, so let's slide a little bit into um, so what, we're, what I want to accomplish here with our little showgram, the pod podcast, sure. is uh, we're going to talk to as many people that are involved in the show, which is uh, a, a limited pool. But we're also going to talk to people who has a lot of experience and encounters with the people who are involved in the show. And I know that you have uh, have a pretty uh, personal relationship with Yvonne and you've had a lot of encounters with Adam. So maybe if uh, if we'll maybe we'll start with Adam and uh, uh, where where I'm familiar with this story is uh, once in a while we get together on the Batman uh, website on the blog and we have meetings and we sit together and we kind of uh, have a viewing party and watch the Batman episode or two and just t generally have a good time and share information. And Scott always has great stories. And my feeling is I want to, if, if Scott's willing, I'd like to share a lot of those stories with more people than just the five or six sweaty nerds sitting in the garage. And I'm just thinking about me. I know everybody has air conditioning, <laughs> but uh, so maybe tell it that what my favorite one is, um, you could probably set it up better than I can, but when you were on stage with Adam about to announce the DVDs are finally coming out after years and years okay. of waiting. Absolutely. Uh, it's one of my favorite memories, and that's probably why I talk about it a lot. But actually, I wasn't on stage with Adam, but I'll, I'll make that all very clear. Okay. San Diego Comic-Con 2014, I think. Mm -hmm. I hope it is. Sounds right. <laughs> they they yeah. all blur together now. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, by this point, like I said, Adam and I have developed a bit of a, a knowing each other, a bit of a relationship here and there. You know, wasn't quite on his speed dial, but you know, still, as any fan can hope to be, to have good laughs with the guy was great. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite moments was, like I said, San Diego Comic Con 2014, and they were going to be making the announcement of the Batman DVD sets coming out, what they were going to look like, show you some footage of the restored uh, prints, and those kind of things. And this is the question Adam had been hit with ever since VHS tape ever came out. Literally, when are we going to get the Batman series? When are we going to get the Batman series? Any right. panel I ever saw of Adam would be, when are we going to get the Batman series? Any interview I got to witness, when are we going to get the Batman series? So now he gets to go on stage and tell people when and how on Blu-ray, DVD, streaming, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But now, right before he gets to do this, I've been out on the floor in my bat suit, meeting, greeting people out on the floor as I love to do, taking photos and doing that sort of thing. And it's like, oh, the panel is going to be happening over there pretty soon. Well, I want to go catch a seat in the audience and, and witness this because I mean I've been living for this moment. Right. And heading on over there, I'm um I'm literally like several halls away for anybody who's been out to Comic Con. I am literally just working my way over and I get to just in front of the hall, probably about a minute or two before it's gonna begin. I run into Lee Merriweather, by the way, who's gonna go watch this happen as well. She wasn't on the panel and we took a couple photos really quick and the photographer who was one of the staff 
San Diego photographers were like, you got to go backstage. You, you, Batman, we got to have you backstage. You got you to gotta go back there like, uh, okay, absolutely, sure, no problem. And this is just you, not your normal entourage? Of no, it was just me. Robin. Just was, yeah, it was just me at this particular time. Uh, didn't have, yeah, because anyway. Uh, so I head to the, to the backstage area, literally come through the, through the doors, and Bert and Adam are up on the steps to go up onto the stage. They're being announced onto the stage by Ralph Garman and all that sort of thing. I think Julie might have already been up there, but he announces Bert, and Bert's going on up there, and Adam just looks back at me and sees me, and he recognizes me as Batman. No, he, he recognizes <laughs> sure. me, and he's like, Scott, you're looking good. And I go, well, thank you. Good, clean living. Yeah. And he just had this look of being so happy, and he looks out to the stage, he looks back to me, and he's just got this beaming smile, and he just kind of shakes. It's like, like this look of like, isn't this great? Isn't this wonderful? And he just goes, and he just kept going, you look good. You look really good. And he would look back on the stage, and he looked back at me, and he's just like, and he just had this look of, I, I can't quite describe how happy. It was almost the happiest I had ever actually seen of him in person. And he looked out. He looked out at that stage again. They're about to announce him, and he just kind of shook his head of just like, "This is so unreal." There was nobody else back there on that stage at that time other than him and me. And I got to share that moment of him just being really happy, about to go out there and tell a hall full of people at Comic Con that the Batman DVDs were coming out. And that was just. It was nice to share a moment. Is there any photos of that? No. No. Is there a video of that? Oh, that was just a moment just between him and I that I just really, uh, I really enjoyed. Anyway. Well, that's, that's a, a pretty special moment. And I really think, you know, when I heard you tell that story before, I really think about how, um, how filled with joy he must have been, right? At that, at that particular moment, this is a little before his star. So, um, you know, this, this is. Uh, it, this is after the star. This oh, this is, is after, after the start. This is, after, this is about two years Thank after. Thank you for the correcting start. me. No worries, because <clears throat> I was there for that too. <laughs> so this, so this is arguably, you know, one of the peaks, the pinnacle, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And and he's so filled and overwhelmed, and I, I can only assume from your, hearing your story, and the only way he can articulate it is to tell you how good you look. Like the well, only. I don't know. I just. He, I mean, I mean, just you're looking for words to say, and without just to be genuine and polite, and 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 or maybe I meant gentleman Lee in that moment, right? He could say, yeah. isn't this great? Aren't I cool? But he, he, no. yeah, that's no, not it, him. Just, it just seemed like he was pretty happy with that. This is still a thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a thing that's actually happening. You know, when he got his star in uh, 2012, mm -hmm. the merchandise wasn't out. We didn't have Adam West action figures. We did not have 66 Batman comic books. We had the Batmobiles out there, but uh, and there was no sign of the uh, DVDs coming out at that time. You know, so that was the celebration of Adam as Adam, and that was about what we were going to get to celebrate. So, you know, what do you get to do after that, right? That's a pretty big moment. What do you get to do after that? Okay. Well, you know, you, you get to, and even though 
the star ceremonies, there's quite a few people on the Hollywood Boulevard. Adam still had to be out there in the public and kind of have his game face on a bit. You know, you can't really sit there and go, gee, I got a star. Isn't this awesome? You know, right, you, right, right, right. You, you can't do the Mayor West dance, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. come on, Cole Hogg, we've got this. You know, no, it's it's very much you got your game face. You're being the total pro. You're being Adam West, the, the personality. Mm-hmm. That moment backstage for the DVDs was Adam being Adam just being so human and just being so excited yeah. and then go out there and put the game face on for everybody else. <laughs> That's really incredible. That's a, I, to have those genuine moments, like, you know, uh, a, a lot, millions of people have met him and shook his hand and had incredible experiences and one-on-one, but, but, you know, there's, there's very, very few people who, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make it like, uh, uh, Frank Sinatra, you know, everybody that shook his hand was somebody and everybody that got to know Adam on a little, on a different level, I think was kind of on a, a little higher level, right? He, and he was known to be genuine and, and, and friendly. So to hear, that's the kind of stories that I hope to bring out, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not even my favorite story. It's one of my favorite stories, but the, the funny thing about Adam is his humor. And not everybody gets it. You know, you say he was known for being, you know, genuine and thing, but he, you know, he'd have this little impish thing where he liked to tease and not maliciously. He just mm-hmm. would be like, so after I sign this, you're going to go home and play with the towel wrapped around your neck. And you <laughs> the people who would just feel insulted, and, you know, and he wasn't trying to insult. Him. He was just trying to lighten it up. He wanted to get a laugh or, you know, have some fun with it and, I've been to some of his autograph sessions where he literally had a bad back all weekend and was in pain. And he'd be sitting there doing those things, man, and he'd take the photo and do, you know, I wouldn't do that for 50-odd years like he did. And so I, I really feel like, you know, that, that's a superpower, you know, right there and doing that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, like I said. Well, let, <clears throat> go ahead. and if, if Would you like to share your favorite story then? Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, this happened in 2007. I've been doing the, the, the bat costume thing for a bit, and I've met Adam a good couple of times by this point, but we still weren't quite on that level where, you know, I knew Adam, and I knew of Adam. I knew what to kind of expect of Adam. I was still kind of a, you, you know, you're a friend of Wally's and you do these convention things, but he didn't really know me, per se, because anytime he saw me, I had a suit on. Anyway, uh, he and I were actually talking about me possibly doing his website for him at this point. This is before I was even doing Yvonne's. And he was doing an autograph show. It was an odd, odd time for an autograph show. It was like on a, like a, it was like on a Friday. And then going into a Saturday, very, very odd timing. So Fridays were dead. And I went there and I was not in costume. It wasn't a, it wasn't a uh, event, type, a photo event thing for me or something like that. I literally was going to meet up with Adam and we were going to talk a bit hmm. and see if, you know, if it made sense for him and made sense for me because I wasn't going to be doing free websites anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and by this point, I got to know Fred, his agent, which is 
how you know which made things really really easy because Fred was really close with Wally he was local and I got to know Fred really really well which is how I got to know Adam really well and I'm sitting behind the autograph table with Adam it's getting a little dead and Fred goes takes off for a moment and I'm just sitting there with Adam and we had already talked about the website thing and it didn't really look like it was going to make sense because quite honestly, Adam pretty much wanted it for free. Because <laughs> sure. there's always a fan that, you know, may want to, you know, do a favor, you know, sure. that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, that wasn't going to happen. But still, no problem. We had the conversation. You know, you got to help me, Scott. It's technical. <laughs> <laughs> and... But but just having a one-on-one -on -one kind of conversation, and I think the fact that I was being professional and not being a fanboy kind of thing, uh, I think actually earned me a little cred with him or whatever, just as far as a little respect, like, oh, hey, can't we just pull this guy over, but he's being a pro or, or whatever. And anyway... As he's sitting there and he's meeting with people, uh, you know, getting his autograph and so forth, and he's going to talk with me, I really get a vibe of the guard not quite being as up and the humor, the genuine, like not the put on just what's just in him. And the beauty of it is I recognize that humor. I know that humor. I grew up with that humor. That's my dad's humor. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way my dad, my dad always wanted to do that little, give, you know, say a little something, throw a little wink on it. Cause he's just kind of, you know, give you a little nudge of the old elbow and, you know, have a little tease, get a little reaction, but like I said, not in a bullying, you know, malicious way, just to, let's, let's just have some fun. Let's make a light of something here. Just a, just a smirk for camera one. Right? Exactly. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I was just keying in on it and Adam was keying in that I got it. And at one point, there was a there was a guy who told Adam he was a police officer, and Adam didn't charge people who were police officers, by the way, to do their autographs. And at least he didn't at this show. And uh, <laughs> and this guy says, "Hey, I got to the you know the law enforcement from watching your show. Really learned from right from wrong, and just really wanted to do a good thing and so forth." And Adam sat there and he goes, "Well, thank you. You know, it's it's I really." really honored and i really am not quite sure how to react to it because i'm so humble and he just there's a little side eye thing to me and i busted out laughing i just cracked up because i knew he was putting on about being humble you know kind of thing and and we just like so we just had a really good laugh with it and then i told adam about my dad's humor and Adam goes, see, I knew you got it. I knew you got it. You, you know, some people, they, they just don't know how to react, but I, it's just me, you know? And we got into conversations. We just, it eased up. We were just talking about stuff, not necessarily like, hey, what was it like wearing the cape? Hey, what was it like wearing the cowl? Because I was wearing a cape. I was wearing a cowl. Right, Very right. Very uncomfortable. Right. And, uh and we were just literally just talking about this, that, or the other. And uh, somewhere along the line, we did end up getting into a conversation about the costume. About, he says, well, you, I said, look, Adam, I've been in the costume for a couple of years here. 
I've only got one nth of the experience you have on your pinky, on the very edge of your pinky, I've only experienced one nth of what it must have been like for you. And it's been one of the most amazing, rewarding experiences I've ever had in my life, putting on that suit, you know? And Adam goes, it, it's, it, he says, it really does take over. As he says, it, it does take over. And I said, but uh, I said, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite stories in the suit. And Adam had this look like, oh, oh no. I said, well, no, it's not like your favorite <laughs> story probably in the suit. Oh, oh okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I'm narrating Adam, still my favorite story in the suit, which was being up. So this is the story within the story. How's that? How's that for meta kids? Uh, so I'm sitting there telling Adam about I was going to do this photo session over at Bronson Cave, which is the location for the Batcave where the Batmobile would come out. And the first opportunity I got to go up there in a costume and get some photos done. My wife taking some photos and stuff. We're up there. And so we're at the opening of the cave and I'm doing these poses and whatnot. And my wife's taking these photos and coming up this trail, there's a trail that leads up to the cave is this mother. And she's got probably kids about maybe four or five years old, holding her hand coming up that trail. And both of them just, see me and they stop dead in their tracks the kid's mouth is like wide open dumbfounded because let's put let's do the math here they came out to the bat cave and batman's standing there yeah right what is it's like going to the north pole and they're santa claus right. and so the kid so i and i've been posing with kids and so forth like that at the convention so i just made a little gesture like it's okay if you want to come by and shake hands or whatever and he comes running up, he grabs my hand, he stands right by my side like he wants his photo taken. Now this is 2007, smartphones and stuff have not taken off yet. <laughs> and uh, the mother comes walking up and she goes, we just watched the 60s movie on DVD just now and I remember this was up here and you know this is the one time I haven't brought a camera. At this point in the story, Adam West sitting at his table says to me, Oh no. <laughs> he was on, he's like, Oh no. And I said, I said, well, look, um, my wife's taking photos. So if you give her your email address, I can send you the, the photos afterwards. I, we, we can send you the photos, you know, to your email to which Adam then told me, you know, Scott, that, that you did the right thing. You did the right thing because that, will always be to that child a lifelong memory. He will never forget the day he went to the Batcave and met Batman. <laughs> it was just like, uh, but he got it. He says, you know, kids are the best. He says, I always try to be on my best behavior in front of children. He says, and that might be why I wore the costume for as long as I did. You know, it, and that was one of those things that we just kind of bonded and related to. Like I said, I'm nowhere near fitting in that man's shoes, but it was just, uh, but just something that we both could share, you know, and from there on out, anytime I saw Adam, it really was, it, he was comfortable around me. Um, uh, I didn't go posting our stories online about, Hey, we had this conversation and this happened, you know, 
and uh, it, it just was really, uh, well, like I said, anytime I got to see Adam and we got some alone time or just some time to, to chat, it was always a good day. And there's some, yeah, there, there's some wonderful, some wonderful stuff there. But those are those are my two those are, so two of, from my top three or five stories of Adam because he's not a boring guy. <laughs> <clears throat> That's uh, you're a pretty lucky guy, I in my opinion, uh, to be able to I, to get to know him on that level. I'll agree. I will agree. I'm very lucky, very lucky, and that's not lost on me. Um, what about let's talk about Yvonne Craig a little bit. You you also have a pretty close relationship with her, and you helped design her website. Yeah, this one's um, Yvonne's a bit different in that regard. I have to admit, I probably don't have as nearly interesting fanboy uh, stories about Yvonne in that regard. Be, uh, but I'll I'll get into that maybe a bit. But yeah, uh, initially she was doing uh, voice auditions for voice acting. She was doing auditions out of her home office over at Pacific Palisades. And so she would have a microphone and a sound card and try to get it working on her computer. Once again, 2000, 2007 or so, not the easiest. It's not like what we got today, you know? Right. And, uh, and I had experience with that kind of stuff. And she had called Wally or emailed him asking if he knew, because he is a voice actor and he does his auditions at home in that same manner. So she asked if Wally would know or know of anybody who could help her because she was having problems with her sound card and her microphone. And he goes, well, uh, my buddy Scott could do it. She goes, Scott Sebring? Because I had already met Yvonne many times, and we got along wonderful at the conventions and so forth over time with her and her sister, Marydell. Mm -hmm. uh, and so even by this point, yeah, we, we knew who each other were. So I drove over to Yvonne's house for the first time out in Pacific Palisades, to help her set up her computer, fix whatever problem she was having with it at that time. And I will tell you, I talk about these things pretty readily now, uh, there was nothing in our house to indicate this girl was, this lady was ever Batgirl. There was no nothing. photos, no memorabilia, no dolls, no, no, no posters, none of that. And it's not that she was ignoring it. The fact is there was no pictures of her with Elvis. There was no pictures of her from any movie stuff that she had done. As a matter of fact, there was really pretty much no pictures of her, you know, all in all in her house. It was usually more like folk art and like African folk art and things like that in there. She's like, I don't want to stare at myself all day. <laughs> I can and, see that. Yeah, so... Uh, went over to her studio, helped her uh, with her sound card, and she did have some issues. And she she was very meticulous about trying to keep her computer files clean and orderly and so forth. But she was in the habit that if she didn't know what the file was, she got rid of it. Uh -huh. But you don't do that with a lot of computer files because that's probably why something runs. Even if you don't know what it does, you might need it. Right. In the conversation of helping her out with that, it just really kind of came up that her website, uh, her webmaster kind of like retired from doing web stuff. He was really doing other stuff, different field altogether. And he does her site occasionally here and there. And she found out well, I was doing Wally's site. And she said, would I be interested in doing her site? Well, sure. 
absolutely. And it's kind of a funny thing. It's like I already kind of knew Yvonne. So it wasn't like I got to know Yvonne for doing a website. It was just an extension of the, the right. hang, as it were. Uh, but to, to Yvonne's credit, absolutely. She insisted, obviously, of paying me of what she thought, telling me what, you know, how the you know, the billing and when it was going to be and how often and, and so forth and all that. And it was with her and her sister's corporation they had set up between the two of them for when they would do shows and all that kind of stuff. I'm giving too much business details here. But it was all just very professional. It was all very respectful. Mm -hmm. and, and at that time, I was also telling Yvonne, don't go deleting files out of your computer that you don't know about you know <laughs> don't don't touch it don't i've made your settings don't touch it don't change it it's it's all good if you run into a problem give me a call and i'll i'll help you out with that so yeah i started working on her website eventually getting used to the site she had and inevitably redesigning it from the ground up into something i felt was pretty fitting for her and we just got into a habit between her and her sister that we would get together a couple times a year because there's a distance. You can't just do it every weekend. <laughs> and we would get together a couple times a year for lunch uh, and either talk about the website, talk about whatever, and just play catch up. You know, how's Vicky and what have you been up to and that, that sort of stuff. And I would ask about her and her dog and, and that kind of thing and, uh, and families. And we just catch up and she would and her sister they would send birthday cards christmas cards without fail and they always sent the best birthday cards or whatever they because they they were very personal it wasn't just like that standard stamp you know it's your birthday here you go something generic or it's christmas the one that we send out to everybody for christmas no they were all very very personal and very very uh yeah, you know, in tune, and they became what I consider like these two groovy ants <laughs> in my life. Uh, that, uh, like I said, the phone conversations that would, you know, that we would have wasn't always about a website. It wasn't always about some convention or something like that. And part of what that relationship was based upon, or not based upon, just was kind of like I wasn't going to interview her. I wasn't going to sit there and, and go, so, you know, this and this and the other. What evil times are these? Will Scott get to a story about Yvonne? Can they talk about the show? Will they? Tune in after the break. Same POW channel. Same POW cast. is an ABC color presentation. Alfred, deploy the bat time dilator and set it back to the summer of 2018, right after the San Diego Comic Con. It was about a month after that SDCC that I chatted with former guest Bert Ward for the first time about his participation in the Hollywood Museum Batman 66 exhibit panel that was featured at SDCC that year. I feel it was a great conversation and should see the light of day. Bert talks about 
the museum exhibit and what Adam would have thought of it. He talks about the ratings the night of the pilot episode, and he also mentions what it's like to have such an influence on generations of fans. And this is where I'm pretty sure I'm going to get some letters, but we'll deal with it next episode. He talks about his first slide down the bat poles, how scary it was, how big the poles were. Listen and enjoy to this conversation from the summer of 2018, the first time I talked to Burt Ward, the boy wonder. Today on the bat phone, I have the man who has played Robin for longer than anybody else in history, Hollywood superhero legend, Mr. Burt Ward. How are you doing today, Burt? Hello, citizens. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you uh, for taking the time. I know you're busy protecting Gotham, so I'll try to keep it quick. I just want to talk to you a little bit about um, last month. I was at the uh, San Diego Comic-Con, and I had the pleasure of attending the Holy Hollywood History panel, and we talked about uh, creating the Batman 66 exhibit. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how that came about and how you came to be involved in that. Well, uh, I, uh, my press agent, uh, he uh, had, uh, ha- has a relationship, a friendship with a lady that owns a Hollywood museum, and he had suggested that to her, and he told uh, my wife Tracy and I about, uh, about it, and then uh, we were, Tracy and I were contacted by a gentleman named Wally Wingert, who, um, uh, Wally actually uh, does voices, he's, he's a radio a disc jockey, but he also does voices and did some voices in the two recent Batman animated features that I did. And uh, he talked to Tracy and, and Tracy found out that he had a very big Batman collection and she sort of put two and two together and said, well, wait a minute, we, you know, uh, Bert's press agent uh, just contacted us about possibly doing an exhibit at the Hollywood Museum, would would you be interested in furnishing some stuff? And do you have any friends that, you know, have uh, other collections that you could talk to? And he said, sure. So Tracy uh, put uh, Wally Wingert, uh, and you can look him up. He's quite a really terrific guy. Sure, so I'm familiar with Wally. Yeah. yeah, he was uh, right next yeah, to you at right the panel. Yes, yes, yes. So one thing led to another. Then, then uh, Wally apparently decided to become like the curator and he he knows everybody, and he and he got people who have these great collections all across the country to all talk to each other and made all the arrangements, uh, and uh, as that's how it happened. So it all came about uh, actually because of my wife Tracy. Oh, uh, yes. So she was kind of the inspiration that put everybody together and 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 got the ball rolling on that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Once Tracy to the rescue again. Did you yourself donate any personal items from your uh, own personal collection, or are there just repros and uh, other? Well, uh, actually, my costume, I, you see, there were six Robin costumes and six Batman costumes at all times on the set, mm-hmm. and, but those were constantly being damaged um, by you know just the action, whether it's a fight scene or, or just running around it just you know things get shredded and i actually made my own costume which is actually higher quality than the one on the on the set for Mm close-ups because this way i wouldn't use it for anything else except a close-up because it didn't have frayed edges on the collar and you know i mean it looked Uh really pristine Mm -hmm. Uh, because at all times all six of those had something wrong with them you know what i mean so uh and so then I donated my costume to charity, 
And when uh, Wally got involved, he found out the location where my costume was being uh, shown in Chicago uh, and uh, at, at a museum type thing and mm-hmm. uh, arranged for it to be there. So it, it ended up that my costume, well, two, more, more than one costume. One of the costumes I wore in, in, in all the fight scenes and you know, the regular stuff mm-hmm. was there. And my other costume was there for the one I did close up. So I actually had, had two pieces there, both costumes. Oh, very nice. And I was there on the, the VIP opening night on uh, January 12th of the right. last you year. You that great video. Right, which would have been the uh, 51st anniversary of the premiere of the TV show Batman in 1966. So uh, if you, is there any way you can remember maybe that far back? And what, what was that night like for you to see all those props and all that stuff? All in, I'm sure you've seen it before, but it's all in one place, and there's all these fans and there's all this outpouring of love. Was that a little overwhelming for you that night, or uh, can you remember that at all? Uh, of course, I remember all of it. <laughs> but, but and it isn't overwhelming. What was impressive, though, was there were things that I hadn't seen. Oh. Since the since the date of the series, for example, let's take the villains' costumes. What was really cool is that they had some of the villains' costumes from that time. Ones that Cesar Romero, Penguin, you know, Burgess Meredith, Penguin War, mm-hmm. Julie Newmar, who played Catwoman in one of the episodes, Leanne Merriweather, the costume she wore during the Batman movie. Anyway, they had some of these old costumes there. Well, of course, through the years, you know, everything ages, right? So they didn't look as pristine, uh, but they're the real ones. So what was also great is that the uh, museum had. Uh, duplicate costumes or recreated costumes of exactly the same thing as the real ones, but only because they were recreated, you could see in today's world what it looked like back in 1966 when we were filming. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the mm-hmm. best of both worlds to have the real thing there and then to have a recreation to show what it looked like, how incredibly bright and colorful our show was. So that was just one thing, the costumes, but there was a lot of other stuff. They had every one of those episodes represented um, with with this little story about it, photographs, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. guest stars. I mean, it, it, it is highly detailed and, and really impressive. It is uh, very impressive, and I, I try to. I've been a couple times since and try to get as many people to go as I can. It, it's it's like I said, to have all those things in one place under one roof is 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 to me it's a little overwhelming. You're probably used to it by this time. Um, uh, but sadly, uh, your friend and co-star Adam West passed away a little while before the museum opened. Uh, do you have any idea what Adam would think of the museum? Oh, I'm sure he would love it. Adam was an absolutely fantastic guy, a wonderful friend for 52 years, um, and somebody that my wife and I sorely miss. I, his humor, I mean, we met 15 minutes before our screen test together. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because there were 1,100 young actors that were interviewed for the part of Robin. Oh, boy. I mean, that's serious competition, 1,100. Mm-hmm. And yet Adam and I screen tested together. And, uh, and I don't think it was by accident, but the point was 15 minutes before we screen tested, I was introduced to him. And I sat down next to him. We started to talk. Within five minutes, the two of us were laughing. And we mm-hmm. never stopped laughing. 
We have had a wonderful friendship. Um, it, uh, he's got the most amazing sense of humor of anybody I ever met. You know, there's so many of these comedians you see in today's world. They get up on stage and all they do is swear and try to be funny by swearing. And they're not funny at all. Mm-hmm. With someone like Adam who had this amazing natural ability and the way he looked at life was just so fun-loving and with double meaning and campy style. And I mean, people ask me all the time, you know, I saw, I saw how, how very kind of stoic Batman was on, on, on television, but what was Adam West like in real life? And I say, well, he's exactly the same. He's just <laughs> as stoic. However, when he cuts loose with his sense of humor, it's like, I mean, the two of us, we we could giggle all afternoon laughing at so many different things. It was just the most amazing relationship. And I think part of why Batman was such a hit was because the producers were so involved trying to make all these effects work, you know, so many special effects, so many giant birthday cakes or you know, trains about to run over Robin, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so many effects that they basically left Adam and I alone, other than the fact that if we had a scene in the Batmobile, okay, so they said, okay, you guys get in the Batmobile, or or you're here at the, uh, you know, Bat computer. But in other words, nobody told us how to say our lines. Nobody told us how to address our characters. We were left alone. And we have this natural relationship and a chemistry that is unique. And I believe that chemistry is what made Batman so successful because every other show in history before us and pretty much after has always been basically straightforward. In other words, if it was, uh, you know, a, a police show, as you know, you've got policemen out chasing uh, you know, uh, you know, criminals. If it's a medical show, you've got doctors trying to figure out how to save a life of a patient. But with Batman, we didn't just just do it straight. We did it with a style that we reached through that television set and we communicated directly with our audience. And we left everybody with the kind of impression like, well, is is he putting me on? I mean, <laughs> I can't tell where he's putting me on and when he's not putting me on, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. people loved it. The college kids that didn't want to watch television, the high schoolers that didn't want to be locked up inside at night, they wanted to be outside, <laughs> were nevertheless waiting two hours in advance every Tuesday and Thursday night in the dorms at colleges to get a seat just to see Batman. Oh yeah, different. Uh, much different time, right? That back then, right? You you couldn't uh, tape it. You had to be. You had to plan your pretty much your whole day, or your whole week around it. Exactly. And we were number one and number two in the world when our show debuted on uh, January twelfth, nineteen sixty six. It was Tuesday night, seven p.m. We had a fifty five share, which means that of all the televisions on in North America. That includes not just the United States, but Canada and Mexico. 55% of all the televisions that were on were watching Batman. The other 45% of all televisions were watching either CBS, NBC, hundreds of different local stations, other types of programming. We had a bigger audience than the Super Bowl. Mm. Every week. 
Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We were in 106 countries around the world, okay? 400 million people were watching each show worldwide. 400 million. You can't beat those. You can't touch those numbers anymore these days. Oh, my gosh. Anybody would give anything for those numbers. (laughs) Sure, sure. So that you've been um, for 52 years, you've been uh, associated with the boy wonder and uh, his legacy, uh, which you helped create. Um, can you describe what it's like for you when, like, there's old fans, such older fans, such as myself, that'll come up and say what a what a impression you've made on them. But what about it when the younger fans, uh, kids of today, catch the show possibly from their their parents making them watch it, and they tell you what a profound influence that you've had on them? Well, actually, uh, there's been multiple de- generations. Batman is actually shown every week in the United States. Currently, it's on MeTV, uh, and it's seen everywhere, in, in every single city. So there's a whole new crop of, of fans. Mul- there's multiple generations, okay? And what's mm-hmm. kind of funny is when the mom and dad come up, and the two kids, kind of like the typical family, will come up to an appearance where I'm appearing. You know, parents have an, uh, uh, you know, kind of an uh, on the theater, off the terrain, excuse me, um, the, they, they, they take control of their children, you know what I mean, uh, their authority, you know, uh, and, and, and yet when they get in front of me or Adam, what would happen is they would regress for just a minute or two to their child-like period, and, and their kids would see them different than they ever normally see their parents. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so, like, the, like, like I've had, had the father come up and and, uh, you know, say, oh, well, I got to play Robin when I was a kid, but my brother played Batman. And <laughs> your kids turn and say, Dad? You know, like, what are you talking about? And then the mother will say something like, oh, and I was in love with Robin. <laughs> and they say, Mom! You know, so, and for me, that's incredibly entertaining. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yeah. To to have them regress right in front of their children's eyes like that, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so so those are the kinds of things that would keep things fresh for me. And besides that, you know, what we do, and I've got our two movies out now, uh, animated features from Warner Brothers. One came out about a year ago, a year and a half ago. One came out about six months ago. And uh, these are great animated features, and they in- include Adam West's voice uh, in both features. And in this more recent feature, Batman versus Two-Face, uh, uh, not only my voice is Robin, Adam West's voice is Batman, but Two-Face is portrayed by none other than William Shatner. Mm-hmm. So, my gosh, here you've got the two most iconic television shows in history, Batman and Star Trek, with the actors working together. How was it? How was it? Uh, I, I know you've worked with Adam before, but how was it to work with uh, Bill Shatner on that project? <clears throat> he is a very funny man. He has got an amazing sense of humor, not all that different from Adam. And he has got the quickest wit of just about anybody I've ever seen. I mean, he is just like razor sharp. And, uh, and he's a fun guy. And, uh, and we did a panel together when our movie premiered. It was at the New York Comic Con mm-hmm. uh, last, last, last year. And uh, we did a panel together, and I'm telling you, what a funny man. We sat next to each other, and it was kind of like kind of like my relationship with Adam, where it was just the most fun thing you can imagine. 
I, I really appreciate you taking all this time with me, uh, Mr. Ward. I do have one more question for you, though, before sure, I let you go. Um, on the on TV, I we see you slide down the bat poles. You go into the bat cave. But uh, I'm wondering, on the actual set, when you moved the uh, bookcase and slid down the poles, uh, what was down there? Were you in a hole? Were you in a well? How did you get back out? Um, uh, well, uh, yeah, they that actually they that was a double. There was a double setup. There was the one in uh, Wayne's study. Mm -hmm. Okay, where the door slid open, the bookcase slid open. We slid down, probably about seven feet, something like this. You know what I mean? Seven, eight feet mm -hmm. uh, below, you know, level. Uh, and then of course they give us a ladder to come out. But then the bigger one was the actual sliding down the bat pole into the bat cave where we had to climb up. I only did it once, and believe me, they never could get me to do it again. I mean, they didn't have to. <laughs> uh -huh. Where I had to climb up the inside of a soundstage. And if you see how big a soundstage is, and you look inside these soundstages, they have these old wood rickety stairs, okay? Mm -hmm. And these stairs, you can see through each step as you get climb higher and higher and higher, and you get up. And, and I, you know, I just don't understand why they did this, but they had these two poles that are about 65 feet tall, maybe 70 feet tall. And mm -hmm. we got to a place on a ledge, okay, where we had to jump to the pole. It wasn't we could reach out. We had to jump to the pole. I mean, and there was no net. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> we could have been killed, or as Adam would say, or worse. Or worse. <laughs> uh, but, but but so we both, you know, and thank goodness, you know, we had our gloves on, we had our boots on, and they told us, when you jump to the pole, don't you dare miss that. You better hold <laughs> on. And wrap your, the, insi the inside of our souls, okay, we wrapped around the pole and the inside of our gloves, obviously holding on. And as we slid down, you 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 kind of have to time it just right. If you hold on too tight, you don't slide. Mm -hmm. If you don't hold on enough, you fall. <laughs> so there is that happy medium, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. of sliding down that pole, which we kind of practiced on smaller poles before we had to do the big ones. But that was – I've never been so scared. It, it jumping off, I mean, no net, no nothing. I mean, it, it, it would have been curtains. Right. <laughs> uh, well, luckily you only had to do it once, right? Yeah, um, once was enough. Uh, well, hey, I, again, thanks so much for your time. I'm gonna let uh, let you go. Get back to protecting the our fair city. Uh, I want to make sure I got the website is right is gentlegiantsdogfood.com. That's right. And that's and the one. Not only got about our dogs and our dog food and the way we have dogs living so long, but there's also. A new, uh, we're coming out with our new version of our website in the next week or two that's going to have a whole bunch of Batman stuff as well. The The current site does have some of the Batman stuff on it and, you know, unique stories and stuff that you can't read anywhere else. But we're going to really uh, – it's going to be kind of a combination of Cape Crusader and Canine Crusader website. So it has the best of both worlds. Sure. That's a great idea. I love it. Um, well, you have a great day, and uh, thanks again, and thank your lovely wife, Tracy, and I will be in touch with those videos and everything, and uh, I, I just can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to me today. Well, it's my pleasure, citizen. Sure. The Batmobile! <laughs> thanks a lot. You have a great day, Bert.
A ticking bomb means trouble for Batman and Robin. Holy breaking and entering. It's Batgirl. Quick, Batgirl. Untie us before it's too late. It's already too late. I've worked for you a long time, and I'm paid less than Robin. Same job, same employer means equal pay for men and women. No time for jokes, Batgirl. It's no joke. It's the federal equal pay law. Holy act of Congress! If you're not getting equal pay, contact the Wage and Hour Division, U.S. Department of Labor. When we last left our heroes, they were chatting about TV's Batgirl, Yvonne Craig. Zounds! What sounds of Scott's costume details? Will our dynamic duo save the day? Let's find out. Occasionally we get into some conversation about something from the show, mm -hmm. which leads to this story. Uh, he's like, thank God we got a story. No. Uh, <laughs> I love it. There was a car auction event that was going on that Yvonne was hired to be there with the car and all kind of grab attention towards. And it was for a, a replica Batmobile. And I was brought in to also add color to it and that sort of thing. So Yvonne, and this was out in Arizona. So Yvonne and I were both out in Arizona to go with her sister and whatnot to, to do this uh, car auction. And I was staying with Lee Kirkham, uh, who was at the time still a moderator of the message where he lived out in Arizona. So he was a local. And we head over to the hotel where Yvonne and Maridol would be at. I'm in full costume already because you just never know what you got to change into. Changing out's easier. Right. Getting out is easier, as you know, from wearing a costume. It's like it's getting the dang thing on. You know, people go, oh, we got a bathroom in here. How big? You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Stalls don't work, you know, uh, except for maybe a roomy handicapped one, you know, whatever. Right, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but uh, so I was totally decked out. This is Arizona, and it's already hot. I'm just going to tell you, it's, it's hot. And... We get to the hotel, and I see Meridale actually coming out of the lobby while I'm still in the car. And we haven't parked the car, and I said, Lee, stop here. I'm just going to go find out, you know, if we're going to follow them or if we're all going to take the same car. And uh, Meridale says, oh, well, I'll take the same car. Yvonne's in the car, actually, in the parking lot over there, if you want to go in and get in the air conditioning, you know, now. I said, absolutely. <laughs> so I get over. So I go over to the car, and uh, some rental. And I open up the car door and I go, hey, Yvonne. And I'm dressed as Batman and I speak in my own voice around Yvonne. <laughs> Almost any time I have the costume on, I'm doing the voice. But around Yvonne, I'm like just, so I get, I go, hey, Yvonne. And she goes, will you shut up? I'm like, what? Okay, well, I'll just ease into <laughs> In my bat suit, in the passenger seat, and just kind of sit there with my hands folded and keep to myself and all that. And then Yvonne goes over and goes, oh, Scott, so how are you doing? I said, I'm just keeping quiet. And she goes, oh, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the stupid GPS thing. It just kept talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I turn on the car, and it's told me you're not there yet. And I couldn't figure out how to turn it off, and it just kept talking. <laughs> so she was talking to the GPS, not me, to shut up. So <laughs> Batman and Batgirl are driving off to the... Uh, Batmobile auction. There should be a joke in there somewhere. But it was funny is that as we're driving over, I was uh, just talking to her a little bit about the show. 
just a little bit about she she had brought up about the uh, Batgirl cycle that uh, the motorcycle company got it back, you know. And as they were taking it off the lot, she said, "If you love me, you will burn it." Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> they dismantled Batgirl, the the company who loaned out the 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 bat the Batgirl cycle took it back and dismantled it and stuff. Unlike George Barris, who you know kept that thing intact and all that. And uh, yeah, and then uh, we even talked about Charlie the Canary a little bit, which uh, kind of she wrote about this stuff in her book and all that. But yeah, she she just did not like that bird. Well, she loves animals, but that bird just would not cooperate. <laughs> just, Upstaging her? Oh, that, it's just, you'd be in the middle of, you know, when you needed it to trip or react, it'd be on the bottom of the cage and everything like that. Then when you're sitting there supposed to be talking to Bruce Wayne or Commissioner Gordon, it'd be, dick, 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 you know, just going on. <laughs> and uh, there was a stagehand when they went on, initially they thought they were going on hiatus. Uh at the end of the at the end of the season literally like they when they finished the season they honestly did not know at that particular time immediately whether or not they were being picked up or if they were canceled yet when they actually wrapped and uh but she says we found out pretty much like that weekend that right. you know that, that it was canceled and wasn't going to go on but uh one of the uh, stagehands or one of the, the assistants uh a girl actually took charlie you know to take care of it and eventually Wrote to her later going, Charlie died. And Vaughn goes, I, sorry. <laughs> I had no feelings <laughs> for that bird. <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you know, like I said, you know, all the other stories that, you know, she could share and so forth, you know. Was there ever a kind word about William Shatner? No. Yeah. Uh, did she love Vincent Price? Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, I thought he was just, he was just a fantastic person. You know, let alone, you know, being on a set. And, uh, yeah, generally, you know, quite honestly, I was sitting there thinking she didn't really have negative things to really say about many people. You know, you really had to go out of your way, I think, to get on her bad side uh, for her to verbally say, <laughs> this person. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Just uh, pretty genuinely yeah. nice and sweet, I, I think, as you might have described her in the past. Yeah, no, she, yeah, she, she was... Uh, I mean, she was just her own person. If you were cool, laid back, and groovy, she would have a laugh and, and have fun with you and try to have fun with it all. And uh, if you were a creep, she would not hurt you, but she would probably just make it more business as usual kind yeah. of kind of type thing, you know. Uh, but no, but I mean, she... but. No, at the same time, nobody could steamroll her over her. Mm -mm. No, no, she she definitely was a person of her own will, which I always respected, you know. And she was definitely her own person. That was something that uh, I really uh, grew to know and grew to admire about her. And uh, like I said, you know, she saw herself as a ballet dancer, not as a, a, a TV superhero. Though that joke would come up from time to time. Mm -hmm. Uh, is, isn't that the name of her book? Uh, from uh, was it Bat, Ballet, Batcave, and Beyond? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying that, that was her first love, and that's really where her passion and her thought, you know, would go. And acting was a job. You know, it's 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 like it's like being a musician. It, you know, what do you do for a living? But what but 
how do you identify yourself? You know, I'm an artist, but I make websites. You know, it's, it's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you got to find your and, and she had a uh, a bit more of a career than Bert or Adam. Oh yeah, she. Well, I mean, she had more credits going before. Into yeah, before and after. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, yeah that's exactly it. Uh, it. She she had a a track record of being a working actress and so forth before uh, ever getting on to Batman. And Batman was around that time that she had made it clear to her agents, and her agents kind of made it clear to her that uh, she should probably take on a series as opposed to being on the show of the week. Like, we'll be on Wild well, Wild well West this week, and then the next week we'll be, you know, on something else. You know? <laughs> Enter William Dozer. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but yeah, somebody asked me uh, an interesting question this weekend in the uh, the bat chat that we, that we have and so forth. Was somebody asked me, did Yvonne think she was sexy? Or did she know she was sexy? It was one of those kind of things. And, um, uh, I don't think Yvonne was naive that, you know, people were hiring her, you know, for having X amount of good looks and, and getting, you know, she was no fool, right. uh, you know, and, and dating and all that sort of stuff that, you know, she was attracted. But she wasn't somebody who thought or treated it like a commodity. I think that's the difference. You know, you go, did she realize that she was sexy? I don't think she thought that was a commodity of like going, hey, you know, Yvonne Craig, the sex kitten, you know, it's just like you, you, you see almost any photo of her, you know, where she could put on the sultry look and all that sort of thing. But a lot of times you see some, you know, shots of her like in a swimsuit or or, you know, lingerie kind of nighty type mm -hmm. thing. Nine times out of ten, she's either making a goofy face or looking like she's into some kind of mischief. Right. Or something. There, right. There's something to kind of put off, as opposed to being like some seductress or something like that. You know. Right. I'm not saying she never made that expression, but nine times out of ten, you see, it's, it looks like she's having fun with whatever that is. And uh, I think that was that was more her. You know. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Rather than the selling the sex, she aware of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, obviously, she, she tells the story in her book, but, I mean, I've heard her say it firsthand to me that, like, uh, and this happened on another podcast somewhere, they were discussing about her costume, and the the ABC shot a promotional test reel pilot type thing mm -hmm. to show to the ABC and the buyers, commercial people, and all that, this new character, Batgirl. And so the suit that she had on that thing, it had, like, two points that came down from her cowl. It was a slightly different suit than what she ended up in the series. Right, right. But the producer of the show, uh, uh, Hallie Horowitz, you know, uh, end up saying, uh, excuse me, uh, you know, that the that suit is squashing two of the reasons why we hired her. <laughs> And she says, well, we absolutely had to address that. And so they ended up cutting the outfit on the bias. Okay, I'm going to get into the tech talk because some folks don't know what cutting on the bias is. It means you, you, you cut that fabric wasn't like spandex. They didn't, have, you know, spandex didn't exist at that time, which spandex, you know, stretches like in four different directions. It, it, it expands to whatever's filling its space. 
Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't have that. So that stretch that they had back then was a two-way stretch. So you had to decide which way it was going to stretch and which way it wasn't going to go anywhere. On the bias means, fundamentally, you're cutting it diagonally. So the elastic in the stretch in the outfit was more accommodating for two of the reasons that they, uh, they, they hired Yvonne. <laughs> And uh, but no, she was she, she was pretty aware of that stuff. But on some other things, she was she was a bit naive, you know. Uh, but she she was, um, for lack of a better word, she was a spitfire. She definitely was spitfire. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, she. I, I, I honestly, in that particular day and age, you know, people can dispute about casting or whatever. But quite honestly, I couldn't see anybody else, you know, be bad girl other than her, you know. Oh goodness, no, I. Uh... You know, yeah, I do enjoy talking about who could have played this and and uh, the, those discussions on the board. But I've I've never, I've I couldn't, yeah, like you said, I couldn't picture it. Never even crossed my mind that there could there could be anybody else. Uh, Alicia Silverstone obviously took the swing, a big swing and missed, but not and really Yvonne her fault. Was totally supportive of her. Yeah, she she totally wrote to her and was very encouraging. Everybody asked her. She says, you know, more power to her. And she says, and poor girl got stuck with that horrible movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, literally, that's just what ended up happening. Yeah. No fault. Yeah, not her fault. Not, definitely not no, her fault. No, no. But um, um, was very supportive. Let's let's talk a little bit about um, the show. Let's okay. move on to the show a little bit. I I. I, um, I'm familiar. You got about five or six hours? Cause, okay. Well, we'll, we'll try. Well, I want to pigeonhole it into your... Uh, so we talk we talk a lot on the board about season one, season two, season three, and how there's a noticeable arc of uh, sublime perfection to Hindenburg-like destruction by the end of season three. So uh, so I, I, I personally would like, and I think a lot of people like to know, as far as season three goes, tell me one or two of your favorite episodes and why uh, season three, what, you know, the fiery train wreck that it is, what, oh, what, wow. what, what little gems can you pick out of there? Oh gosh. Um, top of my head, you know, you sit there and think this is just something I inherently know. And every time I revisit these things and I have to think about it. <laughs> so edit where you need to. Uh, but Honestly, the third season is, I'm going to backtrack here a little bit. When I grew up with the series, my earliest memories is I was barely two when it was on the air, but I still remember when it was first airing. Do I remember plot lines and things? No, I couldn't even say, I couldn't even count or read the sound effects that were going on the screen. Mm -hmm. But I definitely had impressions of the show, and that's when I was first exposed to this character, Batgirl you know, at a young age and so forth like that. And so you're like, oh, Batgirl, that's one more. That's even better. You know, that was like, that was kind of the vibe. And so Batgirl was always a member of the team for me. You know, plots, budgets, that's to a two, three, four-year-old, that's that's a non-issue. Is it fun? Right. And when it started going into syndication, at least where I was growing up and so forth in the earlier 70s, uh, watching it on you know uhf television they weren't aired in order they were just all over the place i mean the, the closest thing you had in order was at least part one and part two were side by side and right that, right you would get those but it wasn't like i would get a string of season three episodes or a string of season i didn't know what season one i didn't know it ran for three seasons at that age 
I just watched an episode. So if Batgirl, that little animation of Batgirl kicking happened in the opening credits, you knew you had Batgirl, and it was already a special day. Right, right, right. You know, I didn't even realize there was a drop in the ratings and, and budget and plot lines and writing performances until my 30s. I mean, right. you know, I, 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 I didn't even, I wasn't conscious. I, was, I didn't have that academic veneer about the show. Nowadays, you know, you get to watch and watch them over and over and over again, and people have their discussions. Now you have, you know, now I have grown to realize, hey, that first season just rocks. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that wasn't even something I was saying in even in the year 2000. It was like that, I was not that conscious of making that distinction. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all this show, and the silly bits were the silly bits. Batman holding his breath under plaster was stupid. That was still first season. You know, Batman... Yeah. You know, coming out in the dinosaur was kind of lame. Well, okay, that was third season. So there was there was those moments. You know, oh, the Bat Shield went behind their capes. Still first season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they would have those moments that didn't quite live up to, well, that wouldn't happen in the real world. Well, that's kind of silly. And as you're getting older, you're getting more cynical and more serious. And, you know, I got to have my plot points and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. <laughs> you know, but... I still 99% can watch any episode of Batman and have fun oh, with yeah. it. Uh, I say 99% because there's one, I can't watch it. I tried, I, I literally, there is an episode where I'm just like, oh, this just hurts. It just hurts. And it's Nora Clavicle. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's a horrible premise. It's a horrible execution. It's just, it's just not good. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I start to watch it. I feel like I got to apologize to every female I've ever met of, of who thought this was a good idea to present in this manner, you know. And I can't blame the cast at all with what they were given. I can't even blame Barbara Rush, poor lady, you know. Um, that kind of thing. So season three, yeah, there's some better than others, you know? And, you know, uh, but I said, like, one of my favorite go-tos I can sit there and think of are the two King Tut ones, just out of the gate, you know, unkindest, unkindest Tut of all, you know, and uh, I'll be a mummy's uncle. Either one of those. Victor Victor survives the third season, no problem. Uh, They're very thin plot points, not a lot of locations on there, so they're very character antics-driven. And Victor, you could just, you give him, read the want ads, and he's going to make it compelling. Right, right. And, And the fact is that there was something that felt like there was an actual threat about, you know... Him figuring out, you know, Batman's secret identity and trying to expose him at it and that sort of thing. Uh, That's that's a solid episode. Uh, Sadly, not much Batgirl going on in those as much, but, you know, uh, it's still, those were a solid episode. Uh, Surf's up, come on. It's just fun. It's, it's, uh, in the world of the ridiculous and the absurd and, and what were you thinking? Uh, into the groovy hip, you know, yeah, like, 
crazy Batman show that we had by this point. Yeah. Uh, once again, Cesar Romero, no matter what script you give him, he is going to deliver 100%. He's not holding, he's, he's not phoning it in ever. You know, whether he's got a UFO or a surfboard, right. he is going to treat it like his right. very first appearance. And aren't they, like, especially example there, aren't they kind of, by this point, picking and choosing other trends that are going on and trying to, like, there's a lot of surf movies going on at that point, so maybe they're trying to capture a little bit of that magic? or Well, when you're chasing or, demographics, it's always dangerous, as opposed yeah. to becoming the demographic. And obviously, uh, once Batman the series became self-aware to critics and the public, you know, the public and the numbers that would come in, uh, it started becoming a reactionary show. And they start, I mean, they start suffering literally as soon as the movie came on. As soon as they start doing the movie and they're on out, it seemed like there was they were chasing something to get those ratings going. But the more you chase a trend, in my opinion, the more you become uninteresting and unoriginal. And once again, you know, by the time you, you know, if they end up saying "sock it to me" because that was the catchphrase, by the time it aired, it was already yesterday's right. news. Right, right, right. You know, uh, that and that's the danger of doing that. But hey, I never made a hit show in my life, so who knows? <laughs> it's easy but, to arm, armchair produce it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's plenty. There's plenty of those. You know, when people say, "Oh, this is how we should have done. This is how it would have done," and it's like, look. I, I can't speak for a 1966 through 1968 audience mindset of tuning in at 7.30 right. on a weekday. Um, and when you guys sit there and think about the poor ratings Batman probably got during that time, it's probably still outweighs almost anything that's being aired today. That's, you know, between, you know as far as we talk about shares in the market, you know, right. you know, you got three networks. They're not doing that bad. You know, where you got you know hundreds and hundreds of channels and YouTube and Instagram, nothing. Nobody wants to watch anything. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's you know? hard. It's hard to find your niche. Oh, it is. It yeah. is. And uh, but yeah, as far as the third season goes, look. Uh, as a kid, I was unaware of those cheap sets. Yeah. And I was very unaware of pretty bad scripts eventually but like i said when you have the access like we have now to be able to watch it when you want to watch it and choose when you're going to choose to watch it uh and rewind mm -hmm. and watch a bit over again mm -hmm. that that's something that was totally unheard of for me as a kid i'd sit there and try to study the costume even at the age of seven watching the show and going like maybe i could trace it off the TV screen, right? Because mm -hmm, you're seven. Mm -hmm. And you go, it's too fast. Oh, I can't. Nowadays, we could do screen captures. What a concept, you know? Uh, the only image I had of Batman was an advertisement for the third season in, in the cover of a comic book. You know, the only image I had from the TV show for years, that was the only thing I ever had. You know, it's, you know, so what we have today, oversaturation, maybe? I don't know, but in uh, over, over speculation. I think there's a bit of that, uh, as opposed to just go have fun with it. And if you're not well, having fun, then back off. Yeah. Yourself, for yourself, not back off for me. <laughs> um, you, you really 
you really touched on a, a visceral memory for me as far as like uh, like watching it in syndication and then running home from school and having to be there on time. You yeah. know, like you said, there's no re- rewinding or recording or DVRing at this point. And uh, and and watching and you know these days I I kind of tune out when the when the opening credits and all that you know Batman no 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 the song. But back, you know, back then, I'm right at the TV, waiting, waiting, like yep. you just mentioned, uh, to see if Batgirl was going to be on that episode, to see if she's going to drive across and, and kick the screen. And then we, me and my brother, yes, it's Batgirl episode. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. And then we'd fight for our spot on the couch and uh, yeah, and get and get on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I was I mean I grew up in a family of five kids, three older brothers and a younger sister. But I have to sit there and say watching Batman was very solitary. <laughs> for me yeah. in my home <laughs> yeah um just because of an age difference kind of going on i was so i didn't get to fight any brothers or anything like that for the couch as it were but with the other thing about syndication people kind of forget or at least maybe depends where you're growing up uh it would play for a good number of months until the next season or whatever for syndication came up in my local network you know my local station and it would go away for like two or three years you know, and I wouldn't, it wouldn't be on, I, I couldn't watch it for two or three years and it would come back again, but it'd be on like at six o'clock in the morning. And you're like, what are you doing out there? I'm watching Batman. Turn it down. Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I do remember breaks in the syndication. I don't remember it being that long as far as years or anything, but maybe during the summer, we'd have to wait for the four o'clock movie once or twice. If we were lucky, it would be the, it would be the 66 movie. Right. And then that was a pretty. Well, summers, day. summers, you'd get the monkeys if, it was, yeah. if you're lucky because yeah. it's a shorter series. One of the questions I get to ask everybody is, uh, we talked about it earlier, as uh, Saturday mornings, I'd have to get up to put on my favorite cartoon and then uh, fight for a spot on the couch with my big bowl of cereal to watch whatever I was watching, usually Super Friends for me. Um, so what I want to know, Scott Sebring, is when you are sitting down to watch your favorite Saturday morning cartoon, what is your favorite Saturday morning cereal? Whichever one had the better prize in it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was usually a toss-up between Quisp and Quake. Whoa! I don't know that we've had a Quisp yet. That might be a Oh, bird. wow. Well, yeah. like I said, they, they, were, they were competing cereals, and... Uh, but yeah, uh, the but once again, look, you know, Quisp and Quake—they were kind of like superheroes. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I just the, those were my go-tos. And when they went away, which they did go away, uh, yeah, any good day would be like you know, Captain Crunch or a Honeycombs. You know, Honeycombs because I usually could get a forty-five on one of those sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. It's See, it was about the cereal, was it? It was always right. about what the heck was in that box. Not, yeah, not for me. And then you know, parents <laughs> caught on to that pretty quick. Um, so there's a couple other things that I wanted to talk to you about that, but we'll, maybe we'll just save that for next time that you have you on the show. Before we wrap this up, sure. I want you to plug away uh, this. What, what's your Twitter, Instagram? Uh, what do you got going on? What do you want the world to know about? <laughs> uh, quite honestly, 66batman.com is a fun place to go check out bat fans. It's an, actually a forum. It's very old school in that regard, but a plethora of some of the friendliest people you'll ever find online in a social gathering. Uh, Then, uh, quite honestly, beyond that, I have scottsebring.com, which uh, I've got some 
stories from back in the day when I used to keep a blog about my bad adventures. Not so much these days, but nowadays I still put updates of uh, when I got my latest uh, music album coming out and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And then just look up Scott Sebring on, uh, you know, uh, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify. Uh, i got four albums out there right now. And Tales uh, of the Retro Rocker? What? Tales of the Retro Rocket Roller. Wait, wait, no, no, no wait. <laughs> Tales of the Retro Rocket Roller. There we right go. Right on. The latest album, yeah. Takes up the entire spine. <laughs> right. All right. Well, that's uh, we'll wrap up the interview right there, Scott. I want to thank you for your time, and we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely love it. No, no the pleasure is really all on this side of the microphone, Scott. Uh, you're when I when I had this idea, you're definitely one of the brains that I wanted to pick. And uh, we're definitely, if you've got the time, we'll have you back to share more stories and knowledge. Yeah. Hey, talking about Batman comic books and music or whatever, I'm all, it's all fun. Anything retro, that's fun too. Right, right on. So there you have it, Bat fans. I hope you enjoyed the sophomore effort of the Powcast. I'm learning fast, and I hope to get on more of a monthly schedule really soon. Thanks to Scott Sebring for sharing your memories and vast knowledge of the show with our listeners. You can find Scott's album, Tales of the Retro Rocket Roller, on Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, and at his website, scottsebring.com. You can get a physical copy at cdbaby.com. Also, and most important, check out Scott at the 1966 Batman message board at 66batman.com. Lots of information, lots of fun conversations. If you like the show, you will definitely love that website. Bert talks about the premiere night of the exhibit at the Hollywood Museum, and the videos that I took of him speaking at the gala. So I'm also going to link those to the show notes. The commercial during the break was the U.S. Saving Bonds commercial from 1973, featuring Yvonne and Bert as Batgirl and Robin, someone else playing Batman. Dick Gautier was the man playing Batman. He played Jaime the Robot in the TV series Get Smart as well. I thought it was fitting to play that commercial since we talked about Batgirl, had Robin, and also had another actor playing Batman on the show as well. I thought that was kind of fun. Hope you enjoyed it. Another note about that commercial, the Savings Bond commercial, is Jaime, the robot, is wearing the former pink cowl. There's a lot of history in that cowl he's wearing in the commercial. Hopefully we're going to get to that in a future episode. The musical samples we listened to on the show today are from the Flying Horse Big Band and the Batman soundtrack by Nelson Riddles. Guest voices include Grayson Lazinski, Jimmy Lazinski, and Scott Sebring. Follow me at RetroCoolNerd on all social media, and make sure to check out the website, RetroCoolNerd.com. Episode number two of the podcast has been written, recorded, and produced by me, Jimmy the Gent, in Wayne Study Studios for Saturday Morning Serial Productions. Check us out next time, same POW channel, same Powcast. What's that? The commissioner's calling? Let's go, Bert. To the Batmobile! Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, I want to play some games. Can we have the office back? Can we have the office back?